Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 266 for December 18th, 2020. My name is Phil Pinsky, with me as always, Bill Lutz and Tim Sway. This week's top Patreon supporters are... Lakeside Woodcrafter, Klingspore Woodworking Shop, Stu Morrison, uh, The Godfather, uh, Jimmy DeResta, <laughs> Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, The Boys Over It, Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, and of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. What are we working on? I want to hear something long and interesting. Bill, go. Nothing. Tim, your turn. Oh, uh, you know. Cool. <laughs> Here's what I've been up to. <laughs> Is that what, really what we're doing? Yeah, go for it. Uh, okay. Well... Yeah, I mean, honestly. Hold on, I'll do Tim's. I've been making guitars and guinea pig tanks, and now Chinchilla's right on my guinea pig tanks. Yep, that's pretty much it. Consider the thunder been stolen. (laughs) Well, I could, to to sort of set you up to where you're going, I was almost there this weekend, but not quite. Um, So, you know, these guinea pig tanks have been selling, like, insane. Um, It's just been crazy and I, I can't i can't get ahead uh and then as you know as it gets later in the shopping season i was like oh, you know the orders are slowing down a little bit you know it's getting a little too late to order for christmas i'm like oh well finally i'm gonna be able to get caught up i'm gonna get a day off so friday i made a bunch you know and um i was like okay i have enough for the weekend like you know maybe i'll run out and then monday i'll you know fulfill whatever i run out of or whatever I have enough. So that was Friday. I was like, this is great. I'm going to take both Saturday and Sunday off. I'm going to lay on the couch. I'm going to watch some Star Trek, you know, mm. um, and not work for the first time since Thanksgiving. Like, I literally haven't had a day off since then. Um, and then before then, it was weeks before I had a day off, you know. Uh, and so that's all great. And then 4 o'clock on Friday, someone messages me and says, hey, this this YouTube channel, which is also my, my mention this week, this YouTube channel called Scotty's Animals is featured your tanks. And it's this guy, he has an animal rescue in California, and he bought, like, the value pack of all the tanks, and he has, like, a dozen guinea pigs or whatever, and he opened them up, and he reviewed them, and, you know, played with them, and and it was cute and adorable and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I sold so many tanks, like, in the next, like, this is, like, 4 o'clock Friday, right? I'm getting ready to go home for the weekend. And I was like, and then this video got put out, and, uh, and I sold... I went in Saturday and I made Maddie helped me. I I don't know how many I had on hand before, but it's at least sixty or seventy of them. I made a hundred and eighteen tanks on Saturday, and I still wasn't able to fulfill all the orders that came in over the weekend. Today I made like another fifty or sixty tanks, uh, wow. and I'm out of cardboard. And I fulfilled all the orders. And I was actually like, sometimes the cardboard would get messed up, like it would like the laser would hit it or something, and it would get crooked. And so I have all these pieces that are like kind of half cut. I was picking through my scraps, like, which was the first time I felt like me in a while. I was, like, picking my own garbage, you know, <laughs> to find, like, corners and, like, creating files to cut out spots that are still good on the cardboard to just get as many parts as I could. Um, 
get home today, my wife and I print the labels and go through them all. Like, oh, we're good. All the orders are done. We have enough. There's a couple tanks left over. It's going to be like another two days before my next shipment of cardboard gets here, probably. And uh, we go, whew, we go, we sit down. And um, my phone dings, and it's an order. And it's one I can't fulfill. I have no, I don't have the tank here. I got to go make it tomorrow out of whatever scraps of cardboard I can find or whatever. And then, <laughs> and then since then, more orders have come in. I've got like another half dozen tanks. I, you know, it's just, it's just been like that. Like, I did take Sunday off because I was like just like forget it i'll just get behind you know and then i've caught up today and now i'm already behind again it's just insane it's just insane uh, i feel like I'm, I, not, I'm not <clears throat> i yeah. i'm not i'm say i'm not um i'm not fulfilling these kinds of orders that both of you have been doing but i've been working doubles at work and um mm. I'm, I'm pretty damn tired pretty yeah. damn tired it's just me and taz trying to run two shifts and it's in the, the holiday season and the and the the you know global pandemic like you know, feel those stresses too <laughs> Yeah. Oh, was, there's a pandemic? I don't know if you noticed that. Things are a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. so obviously you and I are okay. Um, yeah. Phil, how, you how have you been handling the extra yeah. stuff going on you, in your life? You're, just, you're busy at work. That's all you got going on, right? Hanukkah. Yeah. So I'll bring you up to speed as to where I've been. So um, I closed out the season. I am sold out. Um, and I did 64 rinks in three weeks. <laughs> how many I, by yourself because you had like the first two you had somebody help you and the rest have been all phil Pinsky. no i oh yeah they, they weren't much of a help they were really like hold this here <laughs> put this there yeah. but uh so by myself i did uh like 26 of them oof I brought my brother on board and then another installer and then I had my wife do the admin and the dispatch. So we were basically a, a team of four people out of nowhere. This has been three weeks. It's like this entire enterprise is three weeks. And um, so it, it's been nuts. So we're basically doing six rinks a day and and so, but it was a, a slower ramp up to get there before I hired my brother and then the other installer. So yeah, I did 26 myself. And uh, and my and then they whatever did the balance between the two of them, so I guess probably did fifteen or sixteen or whatever between the two of them, uh, or eighteen actually each probably. Anyways, so my story and I guess the impetus for this uh, for this for this topic was uh, Thursday was uh, the first night of Hanukkah and we got my daughter this uh, this jungle gym monkey bar thing for the basement. And it needed to be built. It was this thing called uh, Limi uh, Jungle Gym or whatever. So it's like a, this commercial great thing. Like we decided that we're not going to get the kids a lot of little things. We're just going to get each one of them something like decent. And because we're going into a lockdown, which we know soon, like we're all going to be home and they need something to do. And my daughter like loves climbing and she loves like monkey bars and stuff. So this thing um, has two uprights and a horizontal. The two uprights basically clamp or the opposite of clamp, right? They're spreaders, so they, sp they spread between the ceiling and the floor. And the bottoms have uh, like sort of a dish cup thing so that it spreads out the load. And the ceiling, you need to mount a piece of plywood up there so that the weight gets dispersed and you don't crush the, uh, the, 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 uh, the gyp rock. Anyway, so I, I, I started this Wednesday night, keeping in mind that Hanukkah is on Thursday and that's when we want to give it to her. So I started it then I did about three or four hours then. It takes an hour to organize all of the fasteners and the bolts and the kits and the parts because there's so many little tiny 
pieces and parts, and they're all... So you've got M6 bolts, M8 yeah. bolts, M7 bolts, different lengths of each one of them. So I, what I did was I did exactly what the guy in the video did, which was each part bag uh, has a number. So I would, inside the first box, I'd lay them all out, and then I'd number them. So that when it comes to part 77, I just go and I grab part 77, which I've already labeled, and it's already laid out for me. Anyway, so I did that, and then um, I was done that night. I was toasted out. And Thursday afternoon, she was getting home at 3 o'clock. This was now um, this was now 2.45, and I just finished it. But it comes with, like, a thousand different accessories. Like, there's these uh, rings, you know, like these pull-up rings. Like you the would gymnast the rings, yeah. Gym, yeah, the gymnast rings, right? So that was one of the things that I was putting up as she was getting home. She loved it. She did the monkey bars. And then I was putting – she's like, oh, yeah, put it up for me. So I was doing the rings. And um, and things all secure. It's perfect. But now there's, like I said, other accessories like a climbing rope and all kinds of stuff. So I'm working on these gymnast rings, and I'm trying to get the knot right. It knots against this buckle thing. And after doing almost 30 rinks, still managing my ERP business, trying to do this thing for my daughter, you know, trying to be a husband, trying to be a father, I just could not get this knot right. And for the first time in my life ever, I just I hit a wall. And I, and I said, I, I can't. I'm just too tired. And I started crying. And, but, like, I mean, like, like an eight-year-old when they get hurt crying. You know, like blubbering. Like I was just crying. And all the kids are downstairs. And my wife, uh, like, just ushers them all upstairs. She's, she, and she comes back down. She goes, are you okay? You're scaring the kids. Is everything all right? And I, I, said, I said, Laura, I'm so tired. I can't. I just can't. She's like, it's okay. You'll finish it later. Don't worry about it. It's fine. She can play with it as is. And uh, and here was the best part. We were waiting on a delivery of kits from the States. Uh, actually, not from the States. Sorry, from what's called the Eastern Townships from us. It's about two hours east of us. And and I, I have the owner of the kit manufacturer on my phone now. Like, we're best buddies, obviously, about all these kits. I, I bought... I bought almost as many as Costco Canada bought from him. <laughs> so we are very good friends. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and and he goes, Phil, I'm 1,800 orders backlogged. Your order is sitting on the dock, but I don't have trucks for you. So I'm like wiping away tears. And I said, <laughs> I'll come get it. <laughs> I said, I said, Jim, what's the address? <laughs> and I got in my car. And I drove two hours each way to go pick up eight kits so that we could uh, we could do the next batch. And, and my wife was, like, so worried. She's, like, she's like, basically on the phone with me the whole time. She's, like, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. And, you know, I grabbed the coffee on the way, and I did what I had to do, and I came back. But it took me, I want to say, a good day and a half to sort of, like, work through the emotion like you know like emotions are not a light switch obviously and we're just people and i had to just remind myself that look listen i'm not superman i'm just one person and i do have limits and i and i will fight and i will try to get ahead through brute force and sheer force of will but here here here's where i am there's a line from star trek generations here this is the line in the sand we go no farther this is it and that was mine trying to do this not and and so i figured you know, uh, I cannot be alone in this experience. Uh, I'm sure our listeners have, have felt this way. You know, we all strive and struggle to do as much as we possibly can. But we have a breaking point, And I figured you guys have that as well. And I was curious to see. Well, you, you know, Tim mentioned uh, that it's weird because you've 
you've you've really pushed yourself in the time we've known you over the last five years more than a few times. What do you think was different about? And we talked about this a little bit, but what do you think was that difference of pushing yourself to the to the edge before, and this time scaring your children to where you're not allowed to sleep in the house now? <laughs> I have to wait until they're asleep before I come back in the house. Um, <laughs> you, you, we talked about it in the pre-show, and you're 100% right. It, it was the physical component of it, right? Like, you guys are right. I have – I always do this. I always burn the candle at both ends, but it's always been mental. And I'm pretty good with mental resilience. But this was, like, just the physical exhaustion, you know? And, and you're out there in the cold, and your nose is dripping, and you're carrying plywood, and you're – screwing things in you're trying to get things level and uh and the last the last bunch the ground's been frozen so whereas normally when you just you know you can pound in these stakes and right. they go right in because you're only pounding about seven inches worth of stake into the ground now it's frozen ground compacted hard clay i don't know i hit a couple of these and so each one now takes 20 minutes to drive in your arms sore you're trying to use it with your left hand but I don't have any coordination with my left hand. So I get to get up and stretch my arm after every single and, – and a rink takes about 28 to 34 of these things. So it was – it's a lot, you know, and, yeah. and it's the physicality of it. it was just exhausted me. And I will tell you I learned a couple of things. One, the people who do this every day for a living don't get enough respect and appreciation – and, and I'm not even going to count myself among them because uh, my brother is a, he's a journeyman carpenter. So he, he came aboard on this and he just had a kid. So he's on paternity leave. So he's making, uh, you know, it was very good to him. He made a lot of, he made a good amount of money from this. So it was very, it worked out very well for him. He's very happy. Um, but uh, I, I'm guessing he didn't break down and start crying. No, but I don't. He didn't have the same amount on his plate. Yeah, there's no, there's and no pressure did, on the second guy. He doesn't get in trouble. With no, no, no. I, I know, but but the, <laughs> no. what what you were saying is that like what he does for a living is physical, and it's yes, and it comes with its own. It comes with its own thought processes that you have to use every day. But it's just like anything. You know, you go to the gym, you start working out. You're going to be sore when you first do it, but after a while, it's yeah. not that bad. You basically just went to the gym for the first time. You know, yeah. You got your, you got your butt handed to you. Yeah. No, it's 100%, but then it, it's also, you know, like the managing a whole other business. I've got f five mandates running. I'm installing five ERP systems. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. If, that, you know, if the, the only thing all, you were doing was the rinks, I don't think you would have had a breakdown. I, well, I think it's that combination. Got eight hours of sleep, yeah. and then you would have got up and done it again, you know? I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. But I will tell you sort of the, you know, learning from my brother what's going on. I was like, I was like you're carrying like four sheets of, of like plywood or whatever at a time. Like, why are you doing that to yourself? He's like, I can't feel my back, Phil. I, I, I'm popping Advil 400s every day. Like, it's just the cost of what it is to do what I do. You know, and, uh, and, and it was funny because, so stupid, but I was teaching him sort of how to do a rink, right? But the guy's in a, you know, he's a journeyman carpenter. I'm not teaching him how to hammer or how to lay anything, right? The guy builds buildings and houses professionally for a living, this is a stupid plywood box that's just big in scope. But I was sort of like, here's, you know, where I lay my string line. You put the bracket here, and then there's three and a half inches of setback. I was just giving him, I was fast-forwarding the tips so he didn't have to read the instructions at the end of the day. So, you know, he, he was a good sport about it because he was, quote-unquote, apprenticing under me. But 
you know, I have a ton to learn from him. So it, yeah. it was just a very interesting experience. But all to say, I learned that I have a breaking point and that, that people who do what he does, uh, you know, deserve more, not just specifically for me, but from all of us. You know, these guys, and in, in, it's not the case for you, Bill, but here, when it gets down to minus 20, minus 30, minus 40, the linesmen are up fixing the power lines. You know, there's guys doing irrigation that needs to be fixed, even in that weather, because pipes burst. You've got foundation guys out there working. You've got guys building homes in that kind of a weather. So it's, I think it's something that, that's sorely lacking is that level of appreciation for, you know, in or out of the cold. But, you know, we need that. We need yeah. to be appreciating these guys more. They, they say a lot of times like that, uh, you know, one of the things I say is everyone should work customer service at some point in time. Like everyone should be a waiter for like a summer <laughs> everyone should do this job another thing everyone should do is everyone should dig a ditch for a summer or whatever like yeah. do this type of work this type of physical break your well, back Casey and I were talking about this yeah. funny enough um, kids in, should get out of high school and they should have to serve in the not peace corps but maybe the you know, job corps my, my everybody should go do some physical labor for a couple of years when you're long you might get into it you might want to work in the trades or you might not you might become a banker but you're going to have that in your mind where I know what it's like because I do know people that have never they, they, they're very smart they went to school they got a degree and they, they have they have a white collar job and they've never actually done physical labor and it's hard to imagine just like I actually ran an office for a couple of years I mean I, so I've, I've got an experience of working inside I have a big appreciation for people who can do that work in an office and have to deal with people on a regular basis and make hmm. connections and clientele and all that, that you know I don't well it's not me but I have an appreciation for that. Everybody should go to Job Corps when they get out of high school. I think. I think it would. It would. Everybody just... should have to while, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. 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 My, my, my father was talking about that once, not too long ago, when I was hanging out with him. Um, and you know, and, and he's yeah, he's like a, a union buster kind of guy. Like he's not necessarily like a like a real like socialist type of person. But um, but he was talking about that about you know when he was coming of age, there was the draft. And he enlisted mm-hmm. to avoid the draft. He was like, "Well, I could, I could enlist in the Air Force and stay thousands of miles away from everybody." <laughs> was kind of his theory, which just makes sense, you know. But, um, but he, you know, he's not that type of a person. But he really valued, uh, like, he learned a lot, and he, and he's kind of said that many times, like, you know, in his, and he's in his seventies now. He's like, he's like, everybody should, this should be a program that everybody does out of high school, you know, kind of like uh, in Israel, right? They have that, the military. But it shouldn't be military. It should be community services. Like, all those ditches that need to be dug, all those those jobs, let everybody do a year a year before college. Like, make it mandatory, you know? Um, and there, there's some value to that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, a lot of issues. It would never happen in a country like ours, but um, I can see Canada adopting a program like that. I can see it happening here, too. It just has to be... It, That's it, it, marketed it, right. It has, it has to be marketed right, and it has to come with. I think it has to come with. We talk a lot about you know social, uh, uh, social programs that that we want to have. I've, I I I think that should be well. We should earn that as well. It shouldn't just be given to you. A job corps type deal out of high school would let yeah. you take the next step of being of of having access to to programs to get you through college to make sure that there's healthcare. To, you know all these other things that we talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, well, that a job was a, corps type thing might be the way to, to help promote that. Post depression, uh, that was what got us out of the depression in the 30s, right? Um, and uh, you know all the the WPA projects, and then even into the war and during the war, there's a lot of those. There were like um, there were farmer projects where they would get it was a lot of women, primarily because the men were going off to war, uh, where the women were recruited to and they worked as migrant farmers, 
and uh, and mm-hmm. stuff. And there's like all sorts of programs like that. And they've all been very successful in the past. Um, you know, it's not not unheard of. It's an it's an interesting thought. Have you guys ever um, uh, seen the movie or read the book by Robert Heinlein? It's called Starship Troopers. I uh, saw the movie. <laughs> See, saw the movie. Yeah. So I mean, same premise. So essentially, um, in that book or in that movie. Um, in order to earn citizenship, you had to serve in the military. Right, right. I could see something where that kind of like community service kind of thing is required. You have to be, you turn 18, you want to become a citizen, you have to, hmm. uh, you have to earn that right. Uh, and it takes a year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of missionary programs different churches do that I think is very beneficial to young people where you get out of high school and you go serve on a mission. You go do something for other people, the community service, the physical aspect. I remember my sister living in Lake Tahoe um, was going to move to Oregon. Uh, some Mormon kids came knocking on the door, you know, hey, how you doing? Are you moving? Do you need some help? And that following weekend, there was like 10 teenage Mormon guys that came over just to help her move. She was not a member of the church or anything like that, but it's just, it's what they're, it, it's, it's, it doesn't hurt to, to give young people a purpose, right? And to, and, and mm-hmm. a service oriented, I think, type purpose. You know, the, um, when Maddie went to high school here, that was part of her graduation requirement was X amount of hours of community service. Um, so that is starting mm-hmm. to be something that, that's making its way into, um, into mainstream education. Uh, I, what I, I, it was cool that it was pretty open-ended, but at the same time, it was like kind of easy for a lot of kids to just sort of, eh, you know, kind of eh, their way through it. Um, but but the the thought is there, and I respect that. You know. Well, what and what if we like I said, what if we attach the trades are coming back now? The maker we're makers, right? This is a community of people saying that this is coming back. This whole actually working with your hands as in addition to the 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 coders and the bankers and and. Uh, the other white collar job. So, what if if you follow up with some kind of a, a, a job core type situation with a track to get? It's like, no, you're you're a banker. Thank you for your help. And now you have a good idea. God bless you. Whatever. But this kid's like, you know what? I really liked. Mm-hmm. I really like this. I really liked the carpentry that I helped the house build, or you know, I, I apprenticed to the the plumber for the two weeks. Whatever the case may be, welding, whatever. But have some some kind of a, a path to get to that into the trades more. I would love to see that in you know, this country. I, I know I've... Trades I've, are making a big resurgence. I've complained about that on the on the podcast before, and they, they are now, but when I was in school, um, it was like someone decided that I was a, quote, college-bound, and so I didn't get those classes. Like, I didn't get woodshop, and I didn't get... Uh, they were, like, not offered to me. It was like there's this division of the labor force. So I never got an opportunity to learn that I liked to work with my hands, you know? And, and I think that's like a well-rounded education is going to give every student the opportunity. And something like this, this program that we're talking about would be something that would give those every, everybody an opportunity mm-hmm. to try everything a little bit and see what sticks. You know what? I love it, but I feel like both of you are getting away from our uh, topic. <laughs> yeah. Because the question is whether or not you've ever broken down and cried because of work or whatever. Oh, no, that's and, crazy. Uh, we both have, but we don't want to really talk about, about us. We just now. wanted to leave you hanging there being the one that cried and scared yeah, the kids. Yeah, I see that. No, I would I never see that. Well, I mean, the important thing is to learn. <laughs> is to, no, I would never cry. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's lame. But yeah, I hear you. The, what the, it was. the important thing is to learn 
your limit like so you've you've learned a lesson and then you can like you know when i the guinea pig thing started like i i told you know the story i launched it and i saw within 30 hours or whatever i shut the store down because i i've got some experience now to know you know when i'm going to reach that point i was like if i don't shut this down now i'm going to be sitting on the floor crying in front of my children like phil <laughs> you know and nobody wants to do that <laughs> But, I feel um, good right now. Thank you. I can I can think of a of a story. It was pre pre woodworking um, when I was a musician. Um, I, I would in the summer um, I would earn basically like seventy five percent of my income and twenty five percent of the year. Um, so it's just the nature of the business where I live, you know. So we would work, you know. I mean, there were like there were weekends where we would play, you know, four shows in three days in in three states and stuff like that, like. You know, just like insanity. I mean, the states are smaller on here. It's not like California, but <laughs> but still. And um, and we would push and push and push ourselves. And there would be the all the things, all the recipe for disaster that Phil's talking about with um, the losing, the lack of sleep, um, the the physical exhaustion because there's it, it's in this you're standing out in the sun, you know, playing phys- instruments and loading and unloading the van and the tra- you know the traveling, the not eating right, all that stuff starts to wear on you. And um, the time that I remember being to the point where Phil was, um, was it was halfway through the season, and you know it was Sunday. So and then you know we still had Monday to get through. Um, that was another busy day. Tuesday was the day I would sometimes have off. Um, and I, I I think I didn't have it off that time, and and it was just like pushing, pushing, pushing. It was the end of the night. I was anxious to get home. We're un- we're loading the gear off this dock. I had to come over a railing because there's like another band playing and all this nonsense and there the, all the bouncers would hand us the heavy music equipment over the railing and then we would grab it and then take it up the road to the, the van up the path and these guys are like they lift I don't <laughs> you know and I ended up um, trying to keep up with this guy he was on the other end of this you know 200 pound box getting handed to me and he just just moving too fast and I was overexerted already and my back went out and, um, and, mm. and I, it was the second time that I had done that. Um, so I knew instantly how bad it was. And like I twisted, went down, I, I heard it, felt it. And I, I stopped and I just, I looked up at my, my boss. And I was like, I was, and he had back surgery once too. And I said, I just did it. I got to go. Like, I got to get in my car now. And um, I was like, you know, my back just went. And he's like, go, go, go get ice, you know. Because he's thinking about tomorrow, you know, the next day. And I, I drove home. I was in excruciating pain. Uh, just exhausted. I couldn't even get out of, in my car. I couldn't even get out of my car. And I remember just getting out of my car and just like my hands on the hood of the car. It took me so much effort and so much physical pain and everything. And I just bawled, like just like just bawling like a child out in the driveway with my, you know, just not sure because it was all the the exhaustion and the stress. But it was also mid season. I had only I hadn't I still had like two months of this, and if I didn't do it, I wasn't gonna make the money to get money. through the winter you know and I, I was I was a wreck and uh, I, I ended up finding a and this is back like prime opioid crisis days you know before like it was like oh maybe we shouldn't prescribe opioids to everybody that that has a pain. everybody was getting Vicodins uh, yeah the, the I found a doctor he just basically he just wrote me a bunch of scripts and my wife was looking at him and she was like should he be taking all this and he and he goes he's a musician he'll be fine he's used to it like, was like the guy, he literally said that like you know and he's being funny but he meant it and uh and so i i took those pills for about a month uh, yeah there and, there was a time uh when 
before the opioid, like you said, but I would get I would get prescriptions for the pain for Vicodin, and it would say take one every four hours, and I would take four every hour, literally, and and follow it with a beer. Oh my god! Just oh yeah, to, yeah. I'm not kidding. And you and you take them too much, you run out of them before you're supposed to, and they would still get, rewrite you another prescription. Yeah, no, I had there was no there was no need to worry about running out. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't an issue, you know. And so that was never a concern. And I was taking them. And I, I, like, I was, I was out of my skull for a month, and I didn't know it. Uh, you know, my, oh my I, apparently I was very, I was, I, I was very talkative, um, much more than usual, and I was like, my personality was different. That's like, not even possible. I, I had no idea. Wait, so what were you on? Uh, everything, like Vicodin, oh, whatever. Cool, cool. You know, opioids. Percocets uh, and Vicodin were the two most common. Do you, do you have anything left? Or? <laughs> They're very old now. <laughs> no, I, I, I flushed them. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't okay. want to run the house with gotcha. the kids, because uh, you know I was on them and and I wasn't. I mean, I I knew that they were bad, but I didn't. Like I, the doctor was like, "Ah, oh, he's a musician. He'll get over." It. I was like, "Oh, all the stuff I've done, touring musician, the boot. You know, like I can handle this. Whatever." I didn't think about it, and then you know a month went by and I was feeling better. I was like, I started to wean myself off, and uh, I was again a wreck, and another breakdown. I I remember I was. Like, but now it was a nonsensical breakdown. Like, my, my mind was like nightmares, and my mind was going, everything was crazy. The pain wasn't there, but my mind was messed up. It was totally withdrawal. I remember, like, breaking down in tears over Harpo Marx, like, because he was, <laughs> he was such a beautiful soul, man. Like, I mean, just, like, nonsense would make me cry. Like, it was just a wreck, and I went to the doctor for a checkup, and, you know, he looked at my bag, and I was like, things are feeling better. I told him, I was like, I was like yeah, I was like, but, dude, man, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really mentally ill, you know, coming off this medication and he's just like well yeah man you've been on heroin for a month of course you are you know i'm just like what I, you know basically because that's basically what it is right you know he's like <laughs> he's like you basically been oh on heroin God. for a month he's like he's like dude just write it out man write some songs you know and uh and i you know i'm gonna knock on wood saying it but i will never <laughs> i don't care what kind of pain i'm in i will find another another way to manage it and take those yeah pills. yeah i flushed them i didn't want them in my house i didn't want anybody accidentally taking them they, they don't give them out like they used to. That's no. for damn sure. No. When I do get them, I take them, but I take them as prescribed if needed. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, hoping I don't have to again. Yeah. So tell so us about your tears. Not so much, not so Bill. much maker related, um, <laughs> but the most recent one I had, where it was literal, it was a literal tears on my face, just exhausted breakdown. Uh, the runway that we have two runways. One's a smaller one. One's a bigger one. The bigger one is what all the jets and stuff can land on. The big jets. Um, it is a mile, a little over a mile long, and it's a hundred-ish feet wide, so it's pretty big. And they had some point had gotten it re um, resurfaced with some bad asphalt, and the asphalt had iron ore in it, and the iron ore was coming up through the paint. So the paint would all rust and you it would look you couldn't see the stripes and stuff on the runway and then it was just awful and it got to a point where it was happening so much that they were going to get the money to read to dig all that stuff up and this has been going on for years and years uh, but until they came up with the money they're like bill we need to repaint the runway and we don't have the money to hire a company to come out and do it that would be a waste of money because it's just going to bleed back through anyway but we got to get this to pass inspection we've got to get the runway painted so they bought me a freaking parking lot striper now i don't know if you know what a parking lot striper is no uh so basically the stalls in a parking it's lot you know the stick, little white stalls the push you sit on it 
it's so oh, it's, it's two. You can walk behind it, or you can attach a little lawnmower engine on the back, okay. and you can sit on it, and you can drive it. Okay. And okay. this thing will give me about an eight-inch wide swath. Okay. The stripe, the center line on a runway is probably four feet wide. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. <laughs> That's just one. There's big, giant bog. Anyway, so they want me to restripe this runway. It's like painting a wall with a sharpie, you know? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It was It was very much like that. And what we were doing is is we had to get it done at you know by a certain time, but I couldn't close the runway all day. So we had to close the runway for half a day, basically. So for four hours, I'm sitting on this thing, and Taz didn't want to drive it. Nobody else had any experience with it. We're loading up all these five-gallon buckets in the back of the truck because you, you, know, you basically you go through five gallons, you swap out the bucket. You've got these big 80-pound bags of glass beads that feed the hopper. So you're sitting on this thing, and your head's at a, a bit of an angle because you're following this little pointer at the front, and you're trying to keep it in line, mm-hmm. lines that haven't been laid out for you like a professional company. I'm just trying to go with what I can see. So I'm straining my eyes, yeah. and I'm doing this for four hours a day, and you, it, it was insane. I, I, I striped an entire entire runway with a parking lot striper <laughs> and by the time it was about two weeks basically of, of half days but by the end of the second week when when it was coming to a finish i was so exhausted my my neck hurt my back hurt loading mm. the five gallon buckets hurt I mean, physically mentally just staring at this thing can't screw it up you've got to also you're also paying attention for the pilot that ignores the fact that the runway's closed and he wants to land on it with you working on it right it's it's insane and 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 i got to a point where it's like i think we finished on a wednesday and i got in my truck at, at, after at the end of the day and then the cleanup of the damn machine after you're, you're all done that's that's another process too because you got to run water through everything you got to clean it all out because you don't want to clog the tips and the hoses it's it's basically it's your little paint sprayer that you guys are always talking about that you yeah. do the hvlp yeah. but you ride yeah. it yeah, but anyway, so I'm sitting in my truck one day after work and I'm just tired and I'm hurt and I'm sore and everything and I have tears on my face mm. and my back hurts so bad and, and I have an aversion now to, to, to pills like you, Tim. You know, I don't take pain meds if I don't have to. I've only got one kidney anyway, so I'm not taking a lot of terrible drugs and I can't even take ibuprofen. I take Tylenol. But I mean, I'm just sitting there and my, I was fried. You're just fried. You, you, I have no more to give. I'm done. I'm done with it. Taz basically sent me home. You know, it's like, I got this, man. I'll clean everything up. Just go get out of here. And it's, you push yourself to that limit. You get, you know, you, you find out how far you can go because usually you can suck it up until that last 10 minutes, that last gymnast ring, that last. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's when it's like, and you're almost to the finish line and you just can't, you can't. These are the guys at the at the marathon that are crawling the yeah. last 15 feet, and those are the ones that the people are cheering for the most because you've hit that wall. You, you just, it's, I'm done. I can't do no more. It's, it's a thing. It's a real thing. I'm sure everybody has, has had that kind of an experience. I had some um, with building Casey's first salon. There were some times where I was just really tired. You got a deadline. You're trying to get all these things done, and you hit it. Um, same thing, but not not to the breaking down point. Just to the point where Casey and I were snapping at each other. It's like, you like this color? Here, how that? And I'll paint it blue on purpose. And the heck with your mauve and whatever, you know. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a more common place to be. But you know what made made that striping job 
you know, I mean, it's got it's, it's a recipe for a breakdown because it's you know it's tedious and uh, and it's physical and it's never ending. And then you have that added it's that, never ending that, that concentration and requires intense focus. Intense, yeah. And it's like like with Phil, you know, it was like the the new element for him was the the physical exhaustion for you. It was like that intense focus and that like I mean literal concerned about airplanes landing on your head and all that yeah. like you know because they're not gonna if the stripe is four feet wide they ain't gonna see you <laughs> until it's too no. late you know <laughs> but yeah that's that's that was the missing component because usually the job is like stress but not like that you know just you know full intensity for for four hours it's too much man yeah <laughs> too much yeah. that's what it was it was yeah. just it was just too much but i am so um and so yeah so i haven't stopped working I guess now for uh, for a month because it's been every weekend. So I'm taking my first day off on Wednesday, and my wife said, "No one's gonna talk to you, no one's gonna look at you. I want you to just go to the basement and I want you to watch movies and take naps and just chill out for a whole day." I said, "I love you. See you on Thursday." <laughs> I said, "I love you. Now get out." Yeah. No. So that'll be then. So I, I today was like intense catch up for ERP. Mm. Tomorrow will be more intense catch up, and then hopefully on Wednesday, like I could just sort of ignore my phone for a few hours and just chill out. Well, I cannot wait. If it's not in the room with you, you can't hear a ring. Yeah, but you know this when you're yeah, when you own a business, at least one business, and not just two. <laughs> and like, and and actually, on top of everything, we're recording the podcast right now, and uh, and this is the first night everybody's filling their rinks, so my phone is going crazy already. <laughs> Uh, so that's dedication, so baby. That's dedication. Well, yeah. First of all, I respect the fact that everyone one put their trust and faith in me. Two, uh, spent a lot of money on this. This, this was not cheap. These, each one of these was at least fifteen hundred dollars. And and so if they've got a question on Phil Knight, there is no uh, uh, sorry. Uh, I'm busy. Call me tomorrow. Like they need their answers tonight, right now. So I am replying right away. So. Um, yeah, I mean, no. you always tr- you always try to be the the best you you can be. I mean, customer so, service is so important. And ke- like keen, like this is this is what they're paying for. Yeah, so many people you know? do it wrong, you know. So what what are some right. of this? So this is obviously, and again, I think people that li- are listening, everybody's experienced something like this at one point or another. Uh, maybe not to the extreme to where you're just done, like you were, mm-hmm. Phil. But yeah. what have you guys found that helps you? Because I think this is different for everybody. What have you found that helps you recover from this, right? So your wife said you can have a day in the basement with nobody talking to you. Is there, is there something else that you would do? Even though it might be a physical thing or a mental thing, but it actually makes you, it's your thing that you want to do, so it makes you feel better. Any, any other things you might have tried or experienced that, that helps you recover from that type of exhaustion? I mean, really the only answer, apart from, you know, chemicals is um <laughs> is you need to rest right you really just need to rest you know you've basically depleted everything in your system have a good meal have a good sleep and i felt much better the next day i won't say i felt a hundred percent because i still had that it's hard to describe but like it's like this gaping hole that you feel inside yourself because you've just sort of let out all emotions yeah. and it takes a while for your body to recuperate and to i guess regather up whatever was in there in the first place and, um, and and added to that, there's that because we're we're men that grew up in the generation that we grew up in, and there's that sense of shame. Um, yes, big time. And you know, like I don't want to like, you know, like rag on your wife or anything, but like her like saying like like ushering the kids away, like 
that's probably what I would have done to give you privacy. But at the same time, it's like it's almost good for your kids to see that it's okay for a grown man to cry. You know, I felt that way too. Yeah. I felt. I think. I think she was asking that because not because it just gives you a minute, but more. Yeah, give me a minute yeah. and and just you know, she didn't want them to be scared. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but I talked to them about it afterwards. I said, guys, hmm. it's okay to cry. You know, it, it's. It's okay to feel how you feel. You should never be embarrassed about that. And I'm not embarrassed. Mm. I pushed myself very, very hard. And um, and, I, and Daddy was just tired. So that's what happened. And, and that's okay. It happened, yeah, like, I mean, kids, okay, it happens every yeah, night. Like, every night for kids, it's like... <laughs> right. It's a good night when they don't cry so, when you're putting them to bed when they're little like that, you know? <laughs> what, yeah. what, what about you, Tim? You, you get some rest. You make sure you eat a good meal. But is there anything else you do that you find helps you recover just... You know, do you play some guitar? Do you go pick some broccoli? <laughs> uh, well, it's funny. Just today, um, yeah. I mean, what what is it? The 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 uh, the essence of my stress are guitars and guinea pigs uh, at the time, which is weird, <laughs> you know. But uh, but like just like today, I got home and um, and we we packaged up some stuff. And I but even like when I got home, I had dinner and took a shower. And I said to my wife, I was like, I'm. I'm taking a guinea pig moment, and I just like literally <laughs> just sat with the guinea pig for ten minutes <laughs> and pet it. That's that's actually yeah, that's yeah, probably like therapy really good. pets, you know. And that's and I did it. And then we packaged some orders up and stuff, and then I did it again with the other pig. Um, and there's something about that. Um, it, it's you know, there's like the for me when I look at animals, because um, I, I I like animals. I'm not really a big fan of keeping animals captive as pets. I like to see them free. Like I I get so much more joy almost out of like watching the you know wild animals run by but um there's something about like i i it, they remind you that like all my stuff is nonsense it's all human constructs of nonsense i mean absolutely nothing like this little thing here doesn't know if i'm going to try and eat it or pet it you know like right, right. It's like like you know yeah. it's it's problems are so much simpler and there's something about that reminder and and then the, the other thing that i you know i mean i being in business for yourself like even though the you know it's there's the work and then there's the the emails and the orders and the you know, there's all these things, and it's just basically every day, all day. You know, and what I I've been doing. A, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Phil knows. Um, being unemployed, as Bill would call it, right? Uh, <laughs> it's but, not funny. You know, it means that you're just you're going all day, and you know, and then there's like you know, plus I do the video editing, and there's this and that, and there's you know, the artistic end of it, and the creative end of it, um, which I you know, and I enjoy all of it. Like I enjoy all of it but I can just sit and work and never stop. And I usually hit a wall, you know, around like nine o'clock at night or something. I'll like hit a wall, like, all right, I'm done. And, um, you know, just lay on the couch and watch TV with my wife or, or whatever. But on the weekends, sometimes I'll, I'll, I, I feel bad because I'm not being a good, like husband and father necessarily. But a lot of times on the weekends, I spend way more time in the couch than I'm, I want to admit nowadays, <laughs> just like watching, hmm. you know, watching some serialized TV program or something. And, and it's, oh, not, yeah, absolutely. it's, you know, part of it is the physical rest because I'm just going so long during the week. But part of it is that if you get, you get sucked into a, like I've been watching at what Ray Donovan lately on Showtime, which is a great show, by the way, mm. highly recommended. Great. Yeah, show. it is. Um, but you, you know, you get, you get sucked into that show, into that narrative. And then it just, it just pulls you out of your stuff and you can go like, well, at least I'm not them, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like there's that sort of, yeah, I like the, I like that long form. And I never watched TV. I didn't even own a TV. Like when, when we got married, um, mm-hmm. like Gwen had a TV that like her grandmother gave her, like we didn't even own TVs, but now I, the way th- it's like really is a golden age for media, you know. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. But you know what? The truth is, is 
We need that time. We need that recuperative time. I don't think I did 15, 20 years ago. Like, for me, it was just all yeah. art all the time, you know. Um, yeah, but now as well, I get older, I, I, think I, there's, get I think there is, though, no matter how old you are, I think, I think obviously I think you can push yourself when you're younger a little more than you can when you're older. Yeah. But there's there's still that. I, for me, there's... There's, you got to have the physical rest. You just got you got to eat. You got to yeah. you got to rest. You got to you got to give the body a break. You got to get back up. But you still need that reset. You still need that. Yeah. How can I set the mind back? You know, push the reboot button. And one <laughs> one of the things that works for me, and I liken it to maybe uh, something you can do in the shop, uh, uh, turning a pen, right? Something kind of. Uh, I'm not talking about an elaborate, you know, mm. like Mark Christopher's fun and easy, amazing yeah. pen. But I'm talking about I can build, I can do a pen fairly quickly, and it's like you just focus, you do your thing, boom, 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 and here's the reward for that. What I do for me is I go shooting, and one of the things that shooting does for me, you go to the range, is that you have to kind of focus. You're, you you pay attention to what you're doing. You're breathing. You practice your breathing. You take deep breaths. You're focusing, you're, you're doing this thing, and then there's like this instant reward. It's like, okay, you pull the trigger, and now was my aim true? Where did it hit on the target? And then you can make these little minute adjustments. I'm not thinking about anything else when I'm shooting, right? Absolutely. Because yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not a safety thing. It's just you can't. You're not. You're focused yeah. on the front sights. You're focused on your breathing. You're focused on the, the trigger control. And then what is that instantaneous... Uh, feedback that you get from that and it's like before you know it you spend an hour maybe two hours at the range and you just take this deep breath and then the world comes back in and you're like oh okay I'm ready I got this because I had something right. that just took everything else put it away for this little bit of time this is the only thing I'm, I'm going to deal with and I, I'm getting some instant feedback there's that reward you know oh I hit I hit the target where I wanted to I you know I'm, I'm containing this little explosion in between my hands I'm you know there's all these things are a little bit of danger to it or, or you know just like when you're in a shop right you just again you have to focus you got a tool it's sharp there's a spinning thing it's going really fast and I've done this thing I've created something I've got this instant feedback well it's living and I think that reset for your mind is important yeah, it's li it's living in the moment which like guys like me get to do way more of that than most people like I'm very very yeah. fortunate for that. you know it, 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 similarly the two things in the world that I hate to do the most are mow the lawn and snow blow or shovel the driveway hands down they just like the things I just think are like the biggest like waste of my time right but they're also the two places that I consistently get the clearest thoughts solve the problems that have been bothering me during the work week um, mm -hmm. you know get the idea the inspiration like things like the guinea pig tank like that's where those ideas come from or when I just settle right. down and go well here it is I'm going to push this back and forth for two hours and, um, and there's something about that that really clears the mind even though it's like I mm -hmm. wish I didn't have to mow the lawn while I was doing it I wish I could find a way to do it that didn't involve mowing the lawn <laughs> but there isn't right you need no, that exactly but there isn't it's just like the catch 22 of it you know right but you know what the thing about shooting is though because I've been shooting a couple of times and there's there's a lot to it. First of all, I think for me the most compelling part and the part that would help me to refocus and to get a better perspective is how powerful you feel when you're holding and shooting a gun. You are literally holding the power of life and death in your hands um, of the cardboard target in this case. But... <laughs> Well, for but me, it, it's the it, physics, that powerful, again, you're, you, you literally have an explosion. Like, that. if, if you were to yeah. take the, 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 the foot pounds of energy, basically, that each bullet produces, you're holding that in your hands. And it's just like you're containing this massive explosion, 
and then you're focusing so intently that you're able to take this. It's like being able to throw a baseball at about 1,500 feet per second. You know, I mean, it's insane and accurately. Yeah. It's it's just insane. But I, I hear what you're saying. The power. But no, but the, the the having not just the the fact that you know you could kill someone with this thing, but more about a lot of these the the breakdown for me felt like a loss of power. Mm. But when you're shooting, you you gain that sense of power, like ro- riding a motorcycle or riding a horse. These are all things. Yeah, it's, that it's are, that control. It's that power. It's that absolutely. You, may, you feel very powerful. Um, and and if this were the uh, if this were the pre-show, I'd use some words right now that I can't use. But I'll, maybe I'll <laughs> tell you afterwards. But it, it's it's definitely a thing that allows me to feel like I've regained a power that's been lost. And I think that's what that breakdown comes from also is sort of the exhaustion, yes, for sure, but also the loss of control. It's very well, difficult it's, it's to Well, it's that doubting yourself. It's like, am I going to be able to take control of something again, right? And shooting or riding a motorcycle or even using a, a, a scary tool, when you can master that, and I don't mean master it by becoming a race car driver or a competitive shooter or a, a journeyman oh. in the shop, but I'm saying when you've... When you've done something that can be dangerous, that has power, and you've you've accomplished it, it does. It gives you that sense of okay, I, I'm I, I can do this. I am I am man. Hear me roar, or whatever you know. Do the roar. Growl. <laughs> no, not that one. Not oh, that you mean one. the grunt? <laughs> yeah, the grunt. There it is. That's how you feel. That's, you know, that's a great way to segue so. out of this on the grunt. <laughs> yes, please and thank you. Let's see what is going on here. Um, iTunes review reviews. We, we got one. Some? We have one. What? Come on. We got one. That was not a very. Uh, that was not a very manly question, was it? You're hung up on this uh, this gender identity here. Okay, uh, I can read it here. I am that I am, Tim Sway. I am that I am. Um, so I, I'll read this because I have a question to ask when I'm done reading it. So this is uh, from Woodstyle Shinobi, and it is five stars, of course. Great podcast, as always. You guys never fail to give us top-quality podcasts. Even when I thought it couldn't be done, it is. It was the second podcast I listened to this week that described a colonoscopy they just recently had. Ha ha. Good stuff. So my question is... the first one. My question is, Bill, what other podcasts were you on last week? <laughs> well, I, I wasn't. Um, this one I, when, just when I thought it couldn't be done, it was. It was the second podcast I yeah. listened to yeah. this week that described a colonoscopy. Maybe, um, um, uh, what's your favorite one you like? Um, uh, whoop, Fools whoop, the there tools. it is. Um, oh. Wait, wait! Don't tell me now. What? No. I I don't know. I I wasn't on any. I wasn't cheating on you guys. I swear. Okay. No, no, no. Feel mm. free to sell your oats, my man. <laughs> it's a wild Feel free west to fall out in love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fun. That's fun. A lot of any internationals, Phil. Yeah, and, uh, I don't thank, know. Thank I you, clearly... Woodstyle Shinobi. By the way. Yeah. No, I mean, clearly there's a lot of investigation of people's uh, gastrointestinal tracts going on. So, you know, more power to that. Mm. Indeed. Um, hmm, weekly tip segment. Just the tip. I have, um, I have a quick one. Phil, you had to have learned, picked up something useful during oh, yeah, your 60-plus yeah. installations of backyard Some hammer technique ice or plywood-carrying technique. 
Yeah, so I learned a lot about the fact that um, that woodworking and carpentry, even though that they uh, share the material being used, are very different trades. Mm. <laughs> so a carpenter is basically a workshop on on him. He carries every, or she carries everything on them, right? So like he all the is the workshop. Happen. Yeah, he is the workshop. He is, you know. So one, I'm glad I had a good tool belt that I had invested in. Two. I'm glad I invested in good new work gloves because mine were all torn up from working in the shop. So I had good new work, and I had two sets. One was um, a tighter fitting, more like a mechanics mm. kind of mm-hmm. work glove, which keeps your hands nimble, which but is Gives not you that as warm. Dexterity, yep, yep. And I also had winterized big leather gloves for when I was carrying, um, and they they had like they were Gore-Tex or whatever, like Finsulate inside, you know. And so I was carrying when I was carrying the material in and out of the backyard. Sometimes oh yeah, I carry that the big heavy stuff for this. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got a Three. spare pair if one gets wet too, you know. And I didn't have that, mm. and the work gloves did get wet, but mm. I just powered through. But I I bought myself a a hand truck that also turns into a cart. Yeah. And so that was yeah. good. Very handy. You know, I, I was just like I was like buying my way out of breaking my back. So anytime I could spend mm-hmm. a little bit of money. I did because it made a ton of sense. Like carrying the box of the kit and the liner must have been 70 or 80 pounds, this whole thing. And and I was initially, I c- couldn't carry this thing. It's very heavy and awkward and large, right? Mm. So the first thing I did was I would take a scrap piece of tarp that was maybe eight feet long by three feet wide. Drag it. And I'd put the box <laughs> on it and I'd pull it like a sled. Yeah. And then I realized I need a hand truck. So right. I got one of these things and it was a joy. Yes. Um, the other thing I learned is that in my workshop... Wait, so wheels are better than dragging? Yeah. This is a revelation. So that's a great yeah. tip you know, like, in and of itself. <laughs> I basically invented the wheel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I learned that I use... Carpenter uses tools that I don't normally use. So I had this tiny little 12-ounce hammer. I invested in a 60-ounce nice little S-wing hammer, so that's good. Um, but also my impact driver that I use and what I like to use to drive, dr- uh, drive screws was kind of a cheapie. It was a Black & Decker, but in the shop, it was fine. It had a 1.5 amp battery, and if I used it three nights in a row, the battery was fine. But as it turns out, uh, the battery <laughs> is not very good in the cold, and so it would give up the ghost at, like, uh, at like in the 30s, trying to vary on the cuff, trying to figure out the conversion from Celsius to Fahrenheit. Mm. But 30 to 40 degrees, and the battery just wouldn't work. So I'm... And I have a... I'm building a couple of custom backstops for people, so I'm investing in a new uh, Makita set. So, quality of tools when you're out there and it's just you, you know, you, these things have to work. So I would say to sum it all up, um, investing in some some labor-saving devices and or upgrading your tools is a great yeah. tip. Mm. Quality tools, like if you're if you're gonna ha- and and uh, and pick your batteries, right? Because I guess once well, you're once you, I mean, but there are there's a time for a, a less expensive tool, yeah. and there's a time for uh, and never be afraid to have the less expensive tool when you're first starting out. That's for sure. But yeah. you outgrow it. No, it's like anything. But here I am. Yeah. Right, so. The question is, how often are you going to use it? Right? You know, I mean, yeah. you for what you were doing before, you weren't going to use it that often. So the Black and Decker was, it was fine. good enough. Yeah, but now yeah, it's it was yeah. good enough. And it's and it, what's great about the situation is like when you get the job to get the tool. Like that's how I built my collections. I got the job that required mm-hmm. it, and then I right. bought it because otherwise I had no excuse to buy it. It was just like oh, like gear acquisition syndrome. 
you know, I, I want this, and you buy well, it. And right. It's, you you remember, too, it. a quality tool will do the easy job just as well as the hard job. But an inexpensive tool yeah. sometimes won't. They'll do the easy job, but they won't do the hard job. Right. So I can tell you on one of the rinks I installed, I had to borrow the homeowner's drill to get the job done. That doesn't And let me tell you, <laughs> that was embarrassing. <laughs> because he did not live close, so I couldn't go back to get a corded drill, right. which would have right. worked. Even a cheapie. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, listen, I'm 30 minutes away. It's dark already. I just built him a backstop. I just built his rink on top of brick and had to sandbag it and all that stuff. And, and I was out there for four hours on a 12 by 20. So this this is a job should take an hour and 45 minutes. I was on hour four. I was wiped. He's like, can I get you anything? Can I get you a coffee? I was like, actually, do you have a drill? <laughs> He's like, actually, I do. And he went and he got it, and it was he was so proud of himself. All these guys who, like, who, who paid me to do this work, um, anytime, like, they had an opportunity to show me that they were somewhat handy, they yeah, were yeah. loving it. You know what I mean? Actually, I do. Well, that's, I'll be right back. I'll go get it. That, what do that's you part of the, what they're paying for, too, by the way, just so you know. That's a bonus. The experience, for and sure. And I want to, real quick, and then we'll move on to uh, whatever else. Um, one of the times that I have actually broke down and cried is when my drill went out and I still had about 30 holes and I'm holding a Phillips screwdriver in my hand and I've got 30 screws in the other and I'm just like... <laughs> oh, my God. Because you got to get it done, man. It's like, yeah. oh, you talk about blisters. So what did you do? You drove them by hand? Oh, you have to. What are you going to do? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. The drill battery's dead. Taken... You forgot the charger, whatever the case may be. I've got a handful of screws and a Phillips screwdriver. And just, I know, I'm just crying the whole time. This sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I never yeah. take my battery powered tools out of my shop without the charger with me because I'm terrified of having that happen to me on someone's <laughs> job somewhere. It will make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this way I can, yeah, I can what, plug it and charge it for five minutes, drill three, plug it in, charge it for five minutes, drill three more. At least yeah. I can do that, you know? <laughs> well, so what I started doing after that happened to me is I just brought the corded drill with me and yeah, an extension right. cord. Yeah. Which is what I should have done from the beginning. Which is way better, See, especially on the cold. With 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 the tool, the with the yellow tools that I've collected now, I've got four of the big fat four amp batteries and and three or four of the smaller ones. So there's nothing I can't do with the battery power that I have now. Yeah. So it, it's kind of nice. Yeah, it it's is. Kinda I, nice. I've got a few extra batteries to spare yeah. because I I got invested in the Ryobi. And then I got a kit. Yeah. I did a deal with Ryobi for a video a bunch back, and there was two batteries in that kit, plus the stuff I bought over the years. Yep. Yeah, so I'm just, I have to use them forever now. <laughs> till, at least till the batteries stop working. <laughs> right. All right. Okay. Um, what grabbed your attention this week? Let's go to Tim this time. Uh, I, I will mention Scotty's Animals, since we're talking about uh, sanity breaks and stuff. That was the guy that, that he, he bought a bunch of my tanks, and he commented. He was like yeah. one of the first viewers of the video, and, and he commented, and he said, I'm going to do this, and I was like, great. I had no idea who he was, and he's actually a pretty large uh, channel. He's, he's a, uh, an animal rescue shelter in California, I believe. Super nice guy. He's just like the super chill dude, and, um, and he had just this room full of guinea pigs, and these giant, huge guinea pig males. And it was, it was just so much fun to see a video of someone else and their pigs, like, using my invention. And to see it, mm -hmm. like, work. Like, they didn't, like, they need to figure it out. Like, they got to learn, you know. And they didn't have necessarily, like, as long of a runway as my pigs have. But it was just so cool to see it happen. Like, you know. So my daughter and uh, her siblings finally talked to their parents. Uh, she was telling me this last night. I talked to her. 
They talked their parents into getting some guinea pigs. And I'm oh, like, yeah. you know what? I My pod mate, he makes these things. So I made them watch the video on Skype. I didn't record it, but their faces, <laughs> when they saw the video of, of your intro video to the guineapigtanks.com, yeah. I should have recorded it. It was amazing. Anyway, I'm going to place an order and send them directly to Utah for them. Awesome. Make sure they uh, get two. Have to be- they need to be in pairs. Like, they, they don't want to get one. So make sure they get, like, not the tanks, the pigs, you know. They should, they oh, should. they're gonna get three. They, okay, they found some. On, they found somebody that can't have them anymore, and yeah. there's three. So, yeah. mom and dad were like, "Okay, one. Oh, you can't have one. You have to have two. All right, fine, two. And then they're like, "Wait, here's some that needs a home being rescued. There's three. They're like That's shaking the their heads. Oh no. Yeah. And and so. if if they're all, they should all be the same gender. And if they're not, you're probably gonna want to separate them though because um you know they're saying breeds like <laughs> you know saying breeds like bunnies it should be breeds like guinea pigs should be the same <laughs> i again it's it's somebody that already has them so, so i'm imagining same, that yeah. they're already the same gender so yeah cool that's they're yeah. they're interesting animals they're a lot of fun <laughs> yeah they're they're, they're afraid hey, so of everything what got my, to get over that you know <clears throat> what got my attention was um there's a show on netflix called the ranch it's a half hour show there's eight seasons <clears throat> Excuse me, starring uh, Ashton Kutcher and Sam Elliott, and they they run a ranch, and it is funny, it's dramatic, it's amazing, <clears throat> and it gives you a perspective. Sam Elliott is the uh, quintessential right wing, uh, just you know, you know, nothing good about Service. France because you know no no good about France, and you don't ever put nothing but ketchup on your French fries. That type of conservative, you know. I feel that uh, it's it's <laughs> just it's just the greatest show ever. Check out the ranch on Netflix, and you can thank me later. Okay, cool. Um, I think in the last three weeks, I've watched um, three episodes of something, and it was The Mandalorian. Did did did, uh, did the I think it was the first episode. I've watched like the first three. I think. And, um, Me too. And the that he goes to the sand town, right? And the guy walks in with the Mandalorian helmet on. And I said to yeah. myself, I said, "Look at that guy doing the Timothy Oliphant impersonation." And then he pulled the helmet off, and it was him. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, is when I first started watching the show last season last year, the guy's voice sounds like Timothy Oliphant. I thought it was him, and then I had to check the credits and realize it's not. Yeah, but it was just no, no, no. There's there's an episode where Timothy Oliphant is actually in the Mandalorian. No, the I know. Show. Yeah, I know. It was yeah, the first episode yeah. of this season. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I just thought it was funny because last season I actually thought he was the star of the show. Oh, oh, no, no, right, no. It's the guy from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, is that who he is? Which guy? <laughs> um, do you remember the guy that almost killed the mountain? He was like from the uh, other country. Yes. The, the guy that got his head squished by the mountain, the mountain... Yeah, literally, yeah, he's like the Spanish actor. guy or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's that actor. Oh. They did show his face in season one once. Um, yeah, they I, I just... But he didn't uh, have the same mustache or whatever. Yeah, you'll he, and once you see his face, you're like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. married to the sand snake or whatever, or his concubine was the sand... The, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we got to go because my ice rink is going to overflow with water. Um, <laughs> let me see. Our websites, williamlutz.com, timsway.net, newperspectivemusic.com, guineapigtanks.com. Guys, contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you guys. Info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. Hit us up on Twitter at reclaimedaudio. iTunes reviews, five stars. Send them, we'll read them. 
Patreon.com slash Reclaimed Audio, the absolute best way to keep us on the air for another five years. yippee ki uh, That's all I got. So, guys, have a great week. Be well. And uh, have a wonderful year if we don't hear from you since. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Be good. For goodness sake.